Welcome back to another episode of Kindred Conversations. I'm Paris Tews. And I'm Brittany Fry. And today's episode is brought to you by Innate. We have loved this brand since they launched a little over a year ago. They are a brand that does maternity clothes that aren't really maternity clothes. So there are pieces that you can wear before, during, and after pregnancy. Each of us has a few pieces from them and I reach for them often and I'm in my second trimester of pregnancy right now and each piece has transitioned perfectly with me and I'm excited to wear them when I have this baby as well. So you can use the code KINDRED15 for for 15% off your purchase at shopinate.com. Also just going to plug this in that I have had the hardest time looking for clothes this summer i've been telling paris i'm like my checklist is too long because i'm like fresh postpartum a totally different size and like body shape that i'm used to and i'm nursing and it's extremely hot outside and just like the list goes on and it has been honestly just like the best addition to my wardrobe to add some of the shirts from innate because they're nursing friendly i they're like this really cute oversized fit they would work honestly if i was pregnant i feel like they're working postpartum and they're going to be staples that i'll keep long term as well i love them yes they're absolute staples and it's very carefully curated so every piece is beautiful you don't have to dig for gems at all every piece is beautiful so we can't recommend them highly enough okay moment of gratitude um i'll start okay I am grateful. I was just telling Paris, um, I just had this moment today. I took my kids to the park and Eloise, I think is teething. So, I mean, it's about that time. She's just over six months and she's just been like a little bit fussy and has like a small little teething rash that has started to appear. Anyway, it's not, not anything wild, but she just definitely, like you can tell, prefers to be held. So anyway, I wore her to the park and pushed my well, <laughs> it was so hot. Brooks wanted to be pushed, but Wells did his scooter. Anyway, I'm just <laughs> laughing. Like Brooks will always be the one who wants to be pushed to the stroller and Wells will do the scooter. That's just their personalities. Anyway, so we went to the park and it was um, so sunny outside. We just sat under the this tree at the park. It was just like had, casting this big shadow um, on the grass, on the lawn. So we just sat on the lawn. I was sitting there with Eloise while my boys were playing at the park and then they came and sat next to me. And there was like nothing in particular that we did. We were just hanging out, but it was just this really sweet moment where I was holding Eloise and Brooks and Wells were sitting next to me and we were all just like sitting in this really close little circle. And it was, um, a moment of like feeling like they were my peers and just like feeling so lucky to be their mom. You know, I was thoroughly enjoying myself. I was enjoying their company. They were enjoying my company. It just felt so special that I get to do this and that I get to spend my days with them, which I love. So anyway, it was just, it was a great little moment because we all know there are moments that don't always feel that way. You know, sometimes it doesn't feel like, you know, sometimes it's hard to be the one in charge all the time and making the decisions and being so responsible and it's really nice when you have these moments that it feels like you're kind of all on an equal playing field totally there there are moments where it feels like oh this is what I dreamed of yeah and like you said there are a lot of moments that aren't like that but those moments when they come I feel like it's so important to take them in and you know romanticize the heck out of them because they're so special and fleeting yeah yeah okay what about you um okay mine I was listening this morning to the speak now 
Taylor's edition. Oh, yes. Which was so fun because yes. that was, I, I don't remember how old I was when it came out, but like I remember my 16 year old self listening to this music and associating it with Pierce, which oh, is cute, so fun. Cute. And then this morning, my kids and I were dancing. My kids were loving it. Lola was just dancing and Miles was like hugging her and kissing me and just like <laughs> loving it and being adorable. And it was so fun. Like I sang these songs about Pierce and now here I am dancing with his babies. And it was just such a fun little moment of, you know, it was, it was such a pinch me moment. Yeah thinking oh I wish I could tell my 16 year old self this I wish I could show myself this This scene scene. yes cute it was really fun yeah that is Taylor Swift is just she's so nostalgic for me especially that album you know yes that was like the height of just like teenage years yes I don't know I agree speak now is totally I feel like like the pinnacle of my like Taylor Swift time totally (laughs) and it was bringing back I, I don't listen to Taylor Swift super frequently so listening to it was like bringing back all the emotions so many memories yes yes which is so fun that's like we had this old car uh oh what was it oh I'm like a Nissan Xterra so we had a Nissan Xterra that made it through my oldest my older sister all the way down through the youngest kids so it went through five kids in high school and just stayed at our house and there was a Beyonce album that we had in there oh what album was it now I'm trying to remember what one it was I can't even say Anyway, you could definitely sing every word to every song. Yes, every (laughs) word. And every time I would go home, like go back home, you know, I was in college and I'd go back home or I'd get, you know, I got married and then I'd like, we'd go back to visit and I would drive that car and play that CD. It, it is weird what those, like what music and then the smell, you know, the smell of that car. Oh, it would bring back just like floods of emotions. Okay. It's so funny because my most distinct Taylor Swift memories, my friend would drive me to dance because I didn't have my license, but she had her license. She would drive me to dance and she had a Nissan Xterra and we would belt Taylor Swift. I love and it. She, I went to the concert with her. My oh Taylor my Swift gosh. memories are so closely associated with her and that car. So that's love so that. funny. It's funny you bring that up. That was the coolest car ever. I no, was it was, right? I was for sure jealous. <laughs> yeah. I always had friends be like, this is my dream car. It was such a high school. It was a high school car. What color it was did the you perfect have? white. Cute. The perfect high school car. Yeah, it is perfect. <laughs> okay, today's episode, we've been talking about for a while. And it's finally here. We're talking about our thoughts on the book Hunt, Gather, Parent. Um, we're going to have this sty- the style of this episode be a little bit more conversational, tell you our big takeaways from the book, what we loved. And I will just go ahead right at the beginning and highly recommend that you read the book. It's I agree. great. And I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I have... Okay, so it's by Maclean Duclef. And I have really enjoyed listening to it. Partly because I will say right off the bat, one of the things I most liked about it, I don't know if you felt this way too, (laughs) but her, she is like a little spitfire. Like her personality is just like spunky and funny. And she talks about her daughter and you're like, I see where she gets it from. Yes. (laughs) It's so funny the way she talks about her daughter. I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) but like, you're like, I get it. You know, as a mom, you're like, I get it. But it cracks you up. You're just like, I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) But hearing her voice, sometimes she says things that I'm like, oh, if I was reading that, I maybe would have read that harsher than the Mm -hmm. way she intended. She has the sweetest, cutest little voice. And like, wow, I didn't mean to like that sound demeaning in any way. But 
<laughs> my she queen, had a positive you, she has a positive voice yeah. you enjoyed listening to her it's just really sweet like it makes me smile her voice is really it, it is cute for lack of a better word and she adds just like it, when you're reading it adds this lightness to what she's saying and yeah. I feel like if I had been reading the words I may it may come across a lot harsher so I actually thoroughly enjoyed listening yeah I almost always listen to my self-help books it's really hard I mean I don't know this is a self-help book but any non-fiction I yes, almost yes I almost always listen to it's really hard for me to sit down and focus and read yeah through non-fiction I'm much more focused if I'm doing the dishes or folding laundry or whatever it is while I'm listening so I listened I loved it but I always love to listen so okay I also have to say I really enjoyed there were so many elements from this book that I felt like perfectly tied into how to raise an adult she actually quoted Same. Julie Lithcott Hames yes at least once yes. I think me I think maybe more a couple of times but she quoted her so they definitely see eye to eye and um, there were also principles that felt so much like finder people. So that was fun to see these kind of marry and tie together and just reinforce some things that I feel really strongly about. Yeah, I agree. I think it's funny because I so often when we, now that we've read uh, How to Raise an Adult, I feel like every parenting book we've read since, like our favorite takeaways kind of relate Remind to us. it. You know? Yes. I, I've really enjoyed that. But this one, it, it had elements that definitely... Um, were tied into that that I really enjoyed, but also I felt like it's worth a read because it had a ton of original content. 100%. Like it didn't feel like it was just rephrasing it. No, I would absolutely recommend reading both. Yeah, I agree. There were just elements that I felt like reinforced each other. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Uh, just general feeling. What did, how did you feel about the book? What, what, yeah. Oh, I loved it. What were your thoughts? It was for sure a favorite parenting read. Um, there are definitely a few things that I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like, as applicable okay wait now that you say that I have to bring one up okay tell me I was laughing so hard (laughs) when I was thinking like if I suggest this book and then people get to this part they're gonna be like really (laughs) (laughs) like I 100% endorse everything she says (laughs) okay there was one part that just cracked me up when she talked about calling your child a baby like being like oh are you a baby okay that's so funny that's that's the thing that I was thinking about when I said that (laughs) I'm like I'm call them a name I don't know why I don't know why I'm saying that's funny like it just uh, feels like so I don't know it feels so pathetic to just be like oh I'm my little three-year-old are you acting like a baby right now like it feels like like that's what like five-year-olds do to four-year-olds which is funny oh my gosh it made me that honestly that little section just like made me laugh well she talked about it a lot yes she did it was definitely I feel like a pretty main topic yes like it's it's a big part I think of her parenting style is like oh are you is that are you being a little bit of a baby right now yeah and yeah, I yeah. I just I don't know I I can't that doesn't really resonate for me I do like like I have been trying to do this with Miles since reading this book like oh Miles you're being such a good helper you're such a good or you're such a big boy yeah like that makes you feel like I agree. such a big boy or wow I see the way you're taking care of Lola you're a really good big brother and like reinforcing that that sense of you are old you are yes. contributing and yes. but going the opposite way oh are you being a baby <laughs> are you being a baby right now <laughs> I I can't really see myself using that <laughs> 
It just totally made me laugh. I will say though, I did use a tactic that was a part of this that I'm not sure how I feel about it still, but I'm going to confess. So it was because (laughs) Brooks loves to act like he's an animal all the time. I don't know if that's, you know, (laughs) other kids are doing this too. Um, Or even like now with Eloise, sometimes he will be like, I'm mom, I want to be your baby for a second. Like I want to be your baby. Or like he'll pretend he's like a dog or literally every day it's a new animal. Like he is just obsessed with animals, is always spouting off facts about them. Anyway, so he loves pretending he's an animal. And I did use a, a portion of this strategy here, which was that she was saying like, if, if Rosie, her daughter, is acting like a baby, for lack of you know better term there, uh, that she'll say, "Oh, are you acting like a baby?" Because what like can can babies ride their scooters? Do babies get to ride their bikes? Do babies get to watch shows? Or do we you know? And she was like, "Man, that's too bad. Like, if you want to be a baby, we can't." You know, she was saying all that. And I will say, I did use, I have used that when Brooks is not being helpful. And like, I'm like, Hey, time to, you know, time to leave the house. Will you go get ready? And he's like, Oh, I'm a gorilla right now. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Gorillas so, don't get these privileges. Exactly. I'm like, well, stinks, you know, gorillas don't get to eat lunch with us <laughs> and whatever. And honestly, that has actually been helpful for him to realize like, okay, I, I can play pretend gorilla at playtime, but like when it's time to get stuff done, like Brooks gets the benefits as well as does the work, you know? Yes. Okay. There were so many tips and tricks and ideas that I will take with me from this book. But I think my favorite two that will, which feels like a lot of pressure to narrow out. My eyes just got so big. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I'll probably add to that like three times throughout this episode. No, I love it though. But my favorite two are, uh, I'm now I want to say three, even as I'm saying, okay, do it. But my favorite one is... I'll let you, I'll let you break your own rules. It is, our, it is our job as the parent to have a calm energy. And if we want our kids to learn how to regulate our, their emotions, we need to be able to regulate ours. And that was, to me, the most insightful thing about what she learned from these other cultures is, you know, your kid can do whatever and you can stay calm. And your staying calm is actually crucial to helping them learn how to regulate their emotions. And I've heard people say that before, but when she was describing what that looks like in other cultures, it really, really resonated with me. She talked about um, how she was in an Inuit community and they were sitting down and I think they had co- they all had coffee and her daughter comes running in and knocks over the coffee and just makes a huge mess. And they were just calm. They just cleaned it up. They had her help clean it up and life went on and it was fine. And it actually reminded me, we were just in Colorado at, at um, our friend's house. And I was, I think I actually told you this. She lives in a beautiful home. And Pierce and I both grew up super close to her. So we like know her so well, but she's a beautiful home. It's, it's immaculate. It's stunning. And we brought our kids in there and she was just like, so calm about everything. You know, she's like, there's nothing that you can do to this house that hasn't been done before. And it just made me and my kids feel so comfortable in her home. And it was a big takeaway for me. Like I, I want to feel that calm about my home and about my kids and about my circumstances and 
it was so genuine and really um, like a light bulb moment for me. Anyways, I feel like that point was really, really drilled in throughout the whole book. Yeah, it was. And I agree. That's funny that um, you said that. That for sure was my number one. I thought it came at kind of a funny time. My parents came to stay with us and it sparked like some uh, parenting conversations. And my mom is, she actually never finished her bachelor's degree. So she's going back to school right now. She's working on her bachelor's degree. And she's majoring in family relations. And she's tossing around the idea of potentially getting a master's and becoming a family therapist. Cool. Anyway, so that being said, her classes are like geared towards that. So she Mm -hmm. was taking like a parenting quiz and then they learned about different parenting styles and she gave it to, she was like, I want to give this to you guys. So she gave it to my dad, me and Johnny to take as well. And then it sparked to this conversation. Anyway, we were talking about it and, um, my dad, (laughs) my dad was just who we have a great relationship. I feel like I need to say, (laughs) (laughs) was just like kind of um a beating and like he was beating around the bush a bit but he kind of hinted at the fact that he felt like I was a little bit of a pushover as a parent and specifically because he had just like witnessed a really hard bedtime for both Johnny and I like a rough rough bedtime and I just said I I'm like, I don't know how you would else you would have expected me to handle that situation because just to like kind of lay it out, both my boys were just so hyper, didn't want to go to bed. It actually sparked a whole tantrum from Brooks, but I feel like Johnny and I both really held like very firm boundaries, but just neither of us got angry about it. And, you know, we like stuck by the fact that like, no, once it's bedtime, you have to stay in your room. But it was a long process. Like yeah. it took probably two hours before. And eventually my mom actually went in. I said to my mom, would you mind going in? And I don't remember what I asked her to do, but like get a water for Brooks or something. I just knew that like a fresh face would just be helpful. Yeah. So she did. And within 10 minutes, they were all sleeping. Anyway, so it ended up being fine, but it sparked this conversation. And my dad kind of was saying like, you know, hinting at the fact that he felt like we were being pushovers. And I just said like, you know, that's fine if you want to, if you feel that way, but I'm like my parenting philosophy at the end of the day is I want to hold to my boundaries in a way that I never get angry at my kids. Like that is the ideal in my mind. I'm like, especially, I, I think that that should be for everyone, but I'm like, especially as a stay-at-home mom, I can't get angry at everything my kids do. Yeah. If I'm angry at them every two hours, then I've been angry all day long and they don't feel good about it and I don't feel good about it and I don't want to spend my life angry. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, even if I didn't think that was the best parenting method, I don't want to spend my life like that. Yeah. So anyway, it was just funny. We had this conversation where I'm like, I actually think the ideal parent doesn't get angry, but still can hold a boundary, you know? And, and I'm like, and I don't think that means you're a pushover. I actually think that that's a more skilled parent. Anyway, it sparked this conversation. And then she like really dug into it in the book, which I was loving. Well, and it's natural to get frustrated with your kids, But I think that's one thing that we really advocate for on Kindred Conversations is 
you know, it is normal and it's natural and it's okay, but hopefully we're taking good enough care of ourselves to be in a mental headspace where we can handle them being kids because Miles did smear peanut butter all over my white couch and all over our carpet. And, <laughs> and I was, and I was like 80% not mad. And then, and then, <laughs> and then after it happened the second time, I got really mad. So, but, but my point is they're going to be kids. That is their job. And it is our job as the parent to remain calm and to be a safe space for them to land. And we can still have boundaries, you know, putting peanut butter on the couch is not acceptable, but me but like after seeing the, after red because fact, of it is yes. not going to be helpful. Yes, exactly. And for they, anybody. It's not yes. going to prove a point to Miles. Nope. Yeah, nope. And they read our effective. energy. They're so intelligent and they're yeah. so smart and you know when we are yelling then they don't hear us all the time but if we are always calm and then when we do she she actually said this is this kind of goes into the next point but when we're when we're calm it really it it makes them listen to us a lot more because they're not used to being yelled at they're used to being spoken to and when they are, are spoken to they listen because they know it's important um, which my second favorite thing yes, about the sure. book, she talked a lot about independence versus autonomy and how a lot of times we value independence and kids doing things on their own, but we forget the value of autonomy and then contributing to the family and the society as a whole. And that was probably what I was most impressed with in the book is how these kids and other cultures are really contributing and seeing needs within a family and pitching in for them you know the five-year-olds are caring for the babies and you know the six-year-olds are helping with the dishes and seeing needs and filling them and yes we've talked a lot about raising kids that are independent but what about kids that are really contributing and um I really really loved the tactical advice that she gave for raising kids that are contributors and having a home that is family-centered and not kid-centered. And we talked on our Instagram about how, you know, we don't have to cater our lives to be these child-centric lives. You know, we don't have to plan our Saturday activities around, okay, well, they want to go to this park and they want to do this thing. You know, when we include our kids and make them part of the team and we're doing chores in our home together and we're going on a hike that we can enjoy enjoy as a family and eating food that we can enjoy as a family. You know, that actually makes the kids feel more valued and more accepted because they're part of the family unit. And we're acting as a family, not like the parents are just managing the lives of the children. And um, that principle, I think, just applies in so many different ways. And so often I think we get caught in this trap of thinking, oh, a magical childhood is one where they go to Disneyland and eat all these treats all day. And they're just going from kid activity to kid activity to kid activity. But what really makes them feel the most valued and makes them the best contributing members of society is when we are just including them in things that we all can enjoy doing together as a family. Yes, I loved this point as well. And it came at such a point in time because Brooks asks every single day, what are we doing today? Brooks needs to be engaged. I don't want to say entertained because he is a great imaginative player. So it's not that he can't entertain himself, but he needs to be 
really occupied, engaged, thinking. Otherwise, he acts out. And every day he says, what are we doing today? Can we go? He'll come up with things that we can do. Can we go here? Can we go here? And it's been really hard for me to um, find a balance of, you know, I think I shared a few months ago or a couple of months ago how he was like, can we, you know, I had other plans and he's like, can we go to the dinosaur museum? Do you want to go there or the park? Like, what one do you want to do mom? So I took him to the dinosaur museum and it ended up being great. But it's like, you know, I'll take him one day and the next day when I wake up in the morning, he's like, what are we doing today? It's really hard for me both as a mom to feel like I'm saying no, but then also for his, you know, thinking from his perspective and his best interests, I'm like, well, what are, what should I do? What should we be doing? Anyway, it, it actually came at a really great time because I feel like it reinforced the principle that we don't, I don't need to be doing kid things all the time. I don't need to, I sometimes really dislike Saturdays when they end up just being kid days because I have so much to get done on that day. And I have Johnny with me that day and I want to take advantage of that. And then if we do kid stuff all day, I just feel like, well, where am I ever supposed to catch up? You know, anyway, so it it reinforced that idea to me and reminded me that we don't need to do kid stuff all the time. But also I love that she did like, it it wasn't just like, don't do kid stuff. It was like, do other things. You know, she gave really specific advice. And as I've implemented this with Brooks, when he'll say, can we go somewhere or he'll, um, bring up a specific activity instead of just saying no, I can say no and then include him in whatever I'm doing. And it's been really interesting to watch because he is just as interested in whatever, like I could be making dinner and he's so excited that he gets to help me make dinner. And I gave him and Wells uh, steak knives the other day to help me cut, I don't even remember, maybe with strawberries for their snack time. And they thought it was the coolest thing ever. Of course, I stood right there and made sure that they were safe. But just like the most basic, basic tasks of, you know, putting, sorting the laundry and throwing it into the washer or a race to put our laundry away in our drawers or cutting up fruits or vegetables for the meal or for snack or unloading the dishwasher. Just the most basic things become something that they're really excited to do and end up, like you mentioned, end up feeling like they're a valued part of the household. And that was one thing that she mentioned that I liked is instead of pray, like don't, you know, praise up and down your kid about every little thing they do. But she gave some specific compliment examples that I really loved. Um, and they were just things like, kind of like what you mentioned with miles, like, wow, I can see you're getting so big and you're learning how to help our household. Or I love that you can help me do this. This is so helpful anyway. And I have noticed just as they've been helping me with those things and I've been trying to build their confidence in those things, Um, anyway, that it's definitely made a difference in our day-to-day routine. And I feel like it has made me and my kids all more content at home. Totally. And someone asked us this the other day because we're very vocal about the fact that we don't love to play with our kids, um, in the traditional sense of, you know, sitting on the ground playing pretend or trains or whatever. That's just neither of our thing. 
we don't like to play with our kids. <laughs> and that sounds so harsh, but someone asked the other day, well, like, what, what do you do, do you with do? your kids if you don't play with them? <laughs> and it, the question kind of made me laugh because I'm like, what don't I do? You know, we cook, we do chores together. We, we do so, we do, we play hard in this. I mean, we play hard in the sense that, you know, we're going on hikes and we're going to the pool and we're doing a thousand, we're going to restaurants together and we're doing so many things that we all enjoy in a way that feels much more genuine to me. You know, so I think some moms genuinely love doing that with their kids and props to them, but I don't. And for me, we have a million other ways that we can connect and enjoy each other in a way that is more genuine and I feel like better for their development actually yes anyways that um is something that is in my opinion a key point of this book is kids are kids can contribute and they should contribute and they will enjoy contributing and it's made me notice too like Lola she loves she's 17 months she loves it when I do the laundry when I switch from the washer to the dryer she like can't get there fast (laughs) enough to move the stuff from the washer to the dryer it's like the one thing that she can can do and she loves it and it's so fun to get to include her in something and you know what there are a lot of tasks where it's more work for them it's more work for me to let them help and so oftentimes as moms when it's uh, it's more work to to have them help so we just don't let them help right we shut them down we shut down their contributions and we do it ourselves because it's easier it's more efficient and we just try and set them up with a toy or an entertainment so that we can do the chores and that's doing them such a disservice because they're learning that their contributions aren't valuable and that they're getting in the way. And it's putting so much more pressure on us as the mothers because we're having to entertain them so that we can do what the household needs to do to function rather than doing things that we enjoy together and then making the household run smoothly together, even if it is more work to include our kids in it. But then we grow up and we have the, or our kids grow up and we have these teenagers that don't want to help and we wonder why yeah. you know it's because we've been shutting them down for years and years and they also don't really know because they've never been taught and anyways I that was a really big takeaway for me yes that was an aha moment for me as well the the setting up or giving your kid something to play with or something to do while you do the chores is teaching them that their contribution and their job is to play while yours is to do the chores. And I just hadn't realized that that was something, it makes so much sense. But when you put it in those words, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, I've totally been doing this. I am teaching my kids that the jobs are my job. And at what point does that switch? And Anyway, I just, I love that. Okay, I want to hear your third point. I want to hear your third point. Um, okay, I'm, I want to go back really quick and then I'll go to my third point. Okay. But I was surprised by how gentle everything is. You know, even, even um, like, you know, kids are expected to help and they're expected to contribute. But she made the point, you know, always help your kids help. And even she said, make it really easy for them to help. Like miles, will you put this dish, will you put this plate in the dishwasher? Not miles, go clean your room or miles. I need you to clean up your toys. It's something that's very easy for them to do and check off. And she also said that she 
always will offer help in something. So for example, if I'm saying, Miles, we need to clean your room before we can go do X, Y, Z. If he says, I need help, I will help him always. Yeah. And I, I was actually a little bit surprised by that because they are so, um, like in these hunter gatherer communities, they are so self-sufficient and the kids are so capable, but their moms will always give the help if it's asked for. And I, I really was, um, struck by how not strict they were. Yeah. Um, she talks about how yelling is demeaning and even mild punishments isolate our kids. So really as parents, they're very, very calm they really value self-governance and they never, they don't yell at their kids, which I mean, I have always believed in that. I was raised with a mom who didn't yell at me and really valued that. And I, I le- love that. And I think it's important, but, um, yeah, I just think that's so interesting. Just how, really how calm they are and, um, how accepting, accepting they are really of just, you know, kids should be kids and it is our job to be calm and allow it. And, you know, they know what they need to grow and they are smart and capable and we just need to allow space for it. Okay. Something you said reminded me that, well, one thing that I really loved that if we haven't already stated from listening to the book or reading the book is that she gives very specific advice breaks it down into very specific strategies that you can use and I loved that for every single principle that she talks about so that was really helpful but then along those lines uh you talked about helping how if the kid um wants help doing something how you can like give them a very easy task or your parent can help um I loved that because she gave a few examples of breaking down jobs. So when I'm saying that like Brooks has been helping me with things, I even, for example, one of the things she talked about was cooking dinner. And if the task is truly unsafe for them to do or, or genuinely they cannot do it, then she was like, don't give them fake work, but allow them to either watch you or practice doing it. So I have used that with Brooks and Wells. I have said, do you want to what do you want to sit and watch me do this part? Or the other thing was to give them a bowl and a spoon and have them practice stirring next to you or, um, whatever it might be. Anyway, I thought her very practical advice there was really helpful. She breaks down a number of tasks. So you can see like how small we're talking. Mm-hmm. And that has made me feel like even the smallest victory in my boys bringing their plates from the table like they did this morning was just a huge win. Like yeah. I was so excited about it. Whereas in the past I would have felt like, Oh, I probably should have them doing more, but like, you know, at least they did this. Yeah. But it made me realize, no, every little thing is helpful and it's contributing and we're just going to build on that. Yeah. And then also in the past I have said things to Brooks like, okay, I need you to, um, I don't know. Okay. Pick up your toys. I'll tell Brooks and Wells, we need to pick up our toys before we can go to the pool today or whatever it is. And now I feel like she reframed everything in a way that was like the family does everything together and not always, but just like we, she always said like, we do this and we do that. Or like, we're all going to work on this thing. And so I have reframed a lot of 
I mean, I've broken down a lot of tasks and asked them to do them specifically, but bigger tasks, like let's pick up the toys or let's clean your room or whatever. I'll be like, okay, we are going to pick up our toys now and I'll start picking them up. And in the past, I would have been pretty frustrated. Like, like I'm just sitting here picking them up when it's their toys. But now I feel like most of the time when I say we're going to pick up the toys before we go to whatever, sometimes I do pick them all up by myself. But a lot of the time they join in and help me. And it's just this sense of community, of family. We're all helping each other. We're doing it together. And as I can do those things with them, I feel like I'm just building their capability, building their confidence in themselves, building their um, just understanding of of what they, you know, what routinely happens in our house so that one day they will do it by themselves. Yeah. You know? Anyway. And you're building that confidence in them and showing them, you know, this is what we all do. Yes. You know, we, we, we are, all help each other. We're all going to go to the pool. We're all going to make sure that the house is picked up before we go. Another yeah. thing I love that she said is she wants to get rid of the idea that kids are pushing our buttons. Yeah. You know, I find myself thinking that like, oh, he's pushing my buttons. He's pushing my buttons. But she talks about, you know, kids are supposed to misbehave. That is their job. They're kids. And if they are misbehaving, then we should be focused on changing the environment, not the kid. And the whole thing is just very, it's very um, gracious to the kids, very gentle and just the calmness. It, it, she was in awe of it. And I felt that same way. Okay. Speaking of awe, this is another random tidbit, but I talked about this in our stories and I have to talk about it because it's maybe one of my favorite tactics I've ever learned but I want to say she learned this from the Inuit people and she observed it and I think it is just incredible life advice but especially as a parent she talks about replacing negative emotion and frustration with awe and so for example if she's feeling so frustrated with her kids she can just look at the sunset and just feel that gratitude and kind of rewire her brain and I was actually thinking about it someone asked about nursing And I was thinking, you know, nursing sometimes is so hard and rightfully so. That's fine. It can be. But if we can look at our baby and feel the awe and gratitude that our bodies are nourishing our babies, you know, we don't have to do anything extra. We just need to eat and drink and our body produces milk with antibodies that protect our babies. You know, that is a miracle. And there are so many miracles in our lives every day. I was thinking that today, looking at my kids, like I made them. What, what awe, what gratitude can I have for these kids? They're healthy and they're running around and they're me and Pierce. And I love them with everything I have. And it's way harder to be frustrated when you're feeling that sense of gratitude and you can feel it for your kids. You can feel it for your surroundings. You can feel it for your home. But in general, you have the ability to feel gratitude and to rewire your brain. And in a moment of frustration or a moment of anger with your kids, you can take that breather and feel gratitude and center yourself before moving on. Yes. It made me think of actually this exact idea made me think of our episode with Darren because she said specifically the phrase rewire your brain. And we, have that episode on gratitude with Darren. And we talked about this idea 
And I remember because I had shared that when I am complaining to Johnny about something, if I just like start to nag him, like, why can't you pick up the clothes on the bench? Like, do you just always forget? And it's like a little bit of joke, but also serious at the same time. Sometimes he'll be like, okay, can you just say three things you like about me right now? (laughs) Three things you're grateful for about me? He's like, I don't want to. (laughs) And so we kind of tease each other about it, but we had talked about it in that episode because I was like, oh my gosh, that's actually like scientifically proven over time. If you continually do that to rewire your brain in the moments that you do start to feel frustrated or whatever to go a more positive route rather than continually spiral downward. Anyway, so I loved that she brought that up. And I think, um, you know, how I talked about at the beginning of the episode that especially being um, a stay-at-home mom and being with your kids so much, if you are constantly reminded of all of the things that are frustrating you, it can be a really long day. <laughs> and if you can rewire your brain and make it a routine, this practice of, you know, you feel frustrated or feel overwhelmed or whatever, angry, and you teach yourself to then look around and be grateful, you can totally change the course of your days, your years, your life, right? It's like this really And your relationship with your child. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably my third favorite thing is the feeling that child rearing is the job of a community, not the job of an individual. And she talks about how she had postpartum anxiety and depression and she said this, not me, but she, she said, I don't think I would have had, I think that could have been avoided had I had not even a stronger support circle. Cause she acknowledged, you know, she's in a position where she was able to have family come and be with her, but just culturally, she felt very isolated as a new mother. And they talk about how these children are really raised within a circle of caregivers that love them and that they can rely on. And they're not just people that pop in and babysit for a while. Like they are trusted people that they love and will go to. You know, Miles for the first eight months of his life didn't want anybody but me. (laughs) And as much as special as that was, that was really hard. I actually told my sister this today because she has a new baby and it was just bringing back so many memories. But I remember I was with you and I broke down crying on a run, just feeling like, oh, I feel like a prisoner because he only wanted to be with me. And I, I honestly didn't struggle mentally postpartum very much. So I feel so grateful. And still I felt like, oh my goodness, my, my baby, he will not, he is not happy unless he is on my body. And that that's really suffocating no matter how much you love your child to feel like oh I can't I can't pee without someone screaming at me and I you know I wanted to go on a three mile run and it felt like I had to move heaven and earth to be able to be gone for 30 minutes and that feels really really isolating and that's hard so in these communities where they have she talks about like aunties and uncles and these people that really nurture and parent their children you know, that takes so much pressure off of the parent. And, you know, culturally, there's not a whole lot that we can do about that. But it made me think, you know, one reason that I think that, you know, one reason we started this podcast is because we were really, I we were good 
about that. We yeah. were, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be proud of us for a second. You know, I feel like we, along with several of our friends, like we raise our children together. We do. We, we're doing simple things together frequently and spending a lot of time together. And, you know, our kids are getting to learn from each other and we're getting to learn from each other. And we are kind of co-parenting in a lot of ways. And it's been so, so impactful for our mothering experience. And, you know, that's why we started this podcast because no mother should have to do it alone because it's, it's not a one person job. It's not a two person job. It is a community job. And she talks about how in a lot of these cultures, they have four or five figures in their life, not always related, often not related, but neighbors and community members that really nurture and parent these children, which is amazing. But she talks about how, okay, we don't live in a culture that has like, that's not natural, but she talks about creating play groups, letting other children nurture your children. This has actually been kind of a new development for us, but Miles has fallen in love with these like seven and eight year old girls that live behind us and they are so sweet to him and he loves playing with them and they just really take him under their wing and I'm like they're like little moms to him they really are you know he's learning from them and that's really special and she talks about letting younger children be with older children and learn from them and talks about having this culture of aunties and uncles where you know you love your friends kids and they they love you love their kids and they love your kids and you kind of co-parent and um, just really and even she talks about like if you have a nanny like love that nanny treat that nanny like family if she'll let you because you are so lucky to have her and these caregiving roles should be so highly valued yeah I she brings it up a number of times throughout the book but even just at the very beginning kind of touches on, I think I shared it a couple weeks ago in an episode, but just touches on how this idea of one or two parents being the, being the sole caregivers of children is just an entirely new concept and really absurd. If we think about all that goes into raising a child and that has really shifted my perspective. I think, um, it goes sort of hand in hand with the episode we recorded about getting help because all these moms were messaging us. And I mean, we feel this too. It's, we're not, we're not, um, immune to it, but all these moms were messaging us like, what do I do if I feel so guilty about this? Or what do I do if my mom had way more kids and never had help? And now I, you know, how am I supposed to expect myself to be okay with, um, you know, hiring a cleaner or hiring a babysitter a couple times a week or whatever it is. And I, this reading this book was such a perspective shift and it was so helpful for me because it made me realize I am not supposed to be doing all of it. Like this is crazy. If I think that I can handle this all perfectly and not even, not even like handle all the jobs of a household perfectly, but purely even just handle all the jobs of raising children perfectly, right? It's too much for any one person to bear, bear the entire load. And we really should lean into our communities. And, um, it has made me think too, we brought up doing like a lot of people do child swaps with friends. And I thought like, wow, that actually is so much more helpful than I had initially thought anyway, or even just getting together this summer, we've been getting together weekly with 
just a bunch of other kids and moms. And in those scenarios where it just feels like total chaos, but it really is helpful for the kids to learn from one another and to learn from other parents. You know, we can't have our eyes on, you know, your kids, like Wells will be in one place and Brooks will be in another, or maybe I'm nursing Eloise and like Paris will need to step in and say, Brooks, you can't do that. Or, you know, whatever. I just think those scenarios are actually really helpful for they're helpful for you they're helpful for your kids anyway so just finding an opportunity to lean into whatever community you have I think is is what I kind of took away from that yes I couldn't agree more anyway okay honestly I feel like I could talk about this book a lot more but I kind of just want to say go read it yes I have one other point I wanted to share let's see okay I loved the emotional regulation I have so much I could say but uh Okay, two things, two thoughts. I'll, I'll limit it to two thoughts. Okay. Um, one thing that I really took away was this idea of being quiet. And it was so counterintuitive to, not counterintuitive, counter, yeah, maybe counterintuitive. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, it was opposite everything I had heard up until this point, which is why I think it was so helpful because. I had heard like narrate ever, and she talked about this as well, narrate everything you do in front of your, they're going to be the best talker if you just narrate everything you do all day long. And also, um, I will say, okay, I love Janet. I love her. But one pressure that I feel from, from respectful, respectful parenting. parenting in general, from the whole, well, I don't know, movement, group, parenting, philosophy, um, is that I find myself at a loss of what to, like, I feel like I need the exact right words. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't know the exact right words in this moment. I don't know how I'm supposed, or I'll say something. phrasing I'm supposed to use. Exactly. Or I'll say something and be like, shoot, that was the wrong way to say that. You know, I'm like, I screwed him up forever. Like I just, I find myself sort of tripping over my- Janet wouldn't want you to feel that way. No, she wouldn't. (laughs) But I find myself tripping over my words. And I find that in that community often where parents are like, what do I do in this exact scenario? And it's like, we could not write a book full of every scenario of, you know, the things kids are going to do. You know, it's just- they're going to do everything, everything under the sun. And so I, a lot of times just like find myself lost and just feeling, feeling like inadequate as a parent because I don't know the right thing. And that was what was so helpful about this idea. She just talked about how all of these communities are very quiet and it's okay if you are not like a naturally quiet person, but there are things to be quiet about. You don't have to go through and narrate your day. And you know what? There doesn't need to be that much pressure around the time that you spend with your kids. And that was such an aha moment for me because I, you know, I am oftentimes going through this checklist in my head or like, um, I'll be working and my kids will be playing and I'm like, okay, what's the right thing I'm supposed to say if they ask me to play right now? Or, um, we'll get in the car and they want to chat and I don't feel like I'm like, I don't have the energy to talk right now, but like, what if I don't want to talk back? Am I going to ruin our relationship because I don't want to talk? And (laughs) sometimes I'm a little bit snarky. Like they'll say mom a hundred times. And I'm like, don't say my name again. I'm not responding. You know, like, <laughs> mom, why did this turtle do this 10, 10 months ago? When yes. I, yes. And you're just like, wait, I don't know what I'm supposed, how I'm supposed, you know, anyway. And I just love that she was like, take the pressure off. You don't need to be talking to your kid all the time. You don't need to be narrating everything. It is good for you to be, you to say, 
we're going to have, I'm going to be quiet for 10 minutes. And you know what? If your kid doesn't, isn't quiet for the 10 minutes, you can still be quiet for 10 minutes or an hour, or you're working and you say, I'm going to work. So we're going to do quiet time right now, or I'm going to work while you play. It's okay. If you work for that full time, even if they interrupt you a hundred times, you can keep going right back to your work. You don't need to feel guilty about it. Anyway, I just feel like on so many levels, it just was really, really helpful for me to take all of that pressure off of narrating and using the right words. And it was just actually like your actions speak a hundred times louder than words. And if you cannot use so many words, your words will be so much more powerful. Yes. So I loved that. And then the one other thing, hold on, I wrote it in my notes. What was it? Okay. This was, um, if they ask to help, don't ever say no. So we talked about how everyone helps in a household, but this specific statement of, because if you have a two to, I don't even know at this point so far, four and a half years old is what I've experienced. So if anything from a two to four and a half year old, you know, they ask you a million times a day, can I help? Can I help? And I didn't even hear my kids saying it anymore because I had become so accustomed to just saying, no, just go do, I'll just do it really quick. No, no, no. Just go over there and I'll be done in just a second. And reading this book was like, it shone this huge light on all of the times throughout a day that my kids say, can I help? And I had no idea that they were even asking that anyway. So every, she just said, every time a kid asks, never say no, let them help, bring them in, draw them closer, give them a job and allow them to grow that desire and to grow their capability and their confidence and actually like the confidence doesn't come from praising your kid it comes from from allowing them to do things that genuinely help the household so and and the expectations that come along with you need to be doing things that help the household so anyway those were those were probably like my most practical takeaways okay i have one more thing to add to that yes but speaking of speaking less she recommends trying to give your child no more than three commands an hour which is so little if you track how many you're doing miles don't do that oh miles be careful miles whatever whatever if you if you count or if i i started to realize as she's talking about this i started to realize in my life with miles and lola just it's kind of shocking how often i'm telling him what to do and you know, I want him to be autonomous. I have confidence that he and she, she's old enough now too, where I feel like I'm full on, I'm totally parenting her too. She's not just a baby, but you know, they, they are so smart and so capable. And I don't want to be commanding them all day because first of all, that takes away their feelings of autonomy. And second of all, then they don't listen to me because I'm just a broken record telling them not to do this, not to do that. And everything's just going over their heads. So she gave that challenge of giving three or less commands an hour. So work on that, report back. And 
I think that is my final takeaway. I literally, I'm <laughs> laughing so hard. Everything that we say, I, it could just Now be, we have more. Oh my gosh. I could talk about this for hours, I know, me for too. hours. We'll definitely take the discussion it's to so stories. Yes, for sure. Yes. I know a lot of people have read it along with us. I yes. speak of which I have to tell you this because you'll love it. My good friend texted me today. She's like, why am I crying three minutes into Hunter Gather Parent? She's like, this is exactly what I needed. It's no, resonating it so deeply. I felt like, I, I, to be honest, this sounds cheesy, but I agree with whoever this was because I called my mom about it actually. And I said, I feel like this book was inspired. I needed it so bad at this exact time I'm like because I said either I was gonna lose my mind or I had to find another way to do this and this feels like the way I needed I was for sure looking for a parenting book feeling like you know a respectful parenting felt like it for me for so long and I'm so grateful for it but I have felt like Miles has aged to a point where I need more tools in my toolbox and I'm so grateful I had that it's great it's wonderful but he, you know, I needed more. And this book came at the time. I texted her. I'm like, I know why you're crying. It's because it's truth and we need it and it resonates. <laughs> Anyways, I'm so excited to talk more on stories about it. Excited to share more on Instagram. It is really one of my top parenting books. I'd highly, highly recommend. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Kindred Conversations. If you wouldn't mind leaving a rating or review on your preferred listening platform, that would mean so much to us. And also join us in stories and on Instagram at kindred underscore underscore conversations.